0: This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics, Omaha, Nebraska.
1: Cast that works. More Comic Cast.
0: Oh, okay. Hi, this is Kevin McGuire, and you're listening to the Two Headed Nerd Comic Cast uh, with Joe and Mac.
1: Sort of break it, break it down like good.
0: Welcome to episode 65 THN and there's not enough money in the world to make me wish you a happy May 4th because Star Wars is dead and I'm trying to forget about it. We are talking about comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 2nd and reading your tweets while we do it. So don't forget to tweet us at TwoHeadedNerd on the Twitter and don't send us May the 4th be with you guys because we won't read it because it's dumb. My name is Matt Baum and when I'm not starting my day with raw milk squirted from a cow into my plastic cup with tequila and instant coffee in the bottom, I'm writing about and appraising ComicsWorthPoint.com true story. Story.
1: That is how I started my day! Disgusting! It was awesome! Disgusting! And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I am not trying to guilt Matt into setting up for free comic book day at Legend instead of hanging out with our
0: Xbox buddy, I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear reviews of XO Manowar number 1 and Epic Kill number 1. After that, we'll review 10 comics at speeds that even Dale Earnhardt Jr. would call irresponsible during the ludicrous speed round, and then we will pay a visit to the THNC. Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss the future of next week's comics and finally we lied to you last week because keeping track of what happens on the show is apparently too difficult for bimbos like us so instead of Ask a Nerd we'll be discussing the state of the DC Relaunch second wave but before we get to all that mumbo and jumbo Let's take a minute to say goodbye To Junior Seau of the San Diego Chargers And Adam Out, A.K.A. MCA of the Beastie Boys Both of which you will dearly miss And you'll notice we'll be playing Beastie Boys All episode long In Remembrance Now let's take a look at this week's Big news. First up,
1: a bit of old news with some new
0: details. At the tail
1: end of C2E2... The kids call them deets. Deets. New deets. At the end of C2E2, DC Comics slipped in the announcement that James Robinson and Philip Tan will be bringing He-Man and the Masters of the Universe back for a six-issue miniseries starting in July. Fast forward to today, where details about the series are starting to come to light. In an interview on Newsarama.com on Tuesday, writer James Robinson revealed that his He-Man story takes place sometime after Skeletor has defeated the Masters of the Universe and taken over Eternia. The Masters have forgotten their past lives as heroes. He-Man is living a simple life as a woodsman named Adam when the series begins. Over the course of six issues, the heroes must fight to regain their memories and take Eternia back from Skeletor's evil clutches. Robinson is describing his take on He-Man as kind of a sci-fi conan.
0: Matt, what do you think? I think sci-fi conan sounds kick-ass, but help me out. What does this story remind you of? What is the story I'm thinking of? There's a Superman story where like he the whole world forgot who Superman was. I don't know. And even Superman forgot I don't know. This just I mean there's no reason why He-Man can't be good. It can be written. There's no reason why. There's no reason why. I'm not a huge Philip Tan fan. That doesn't mean he can't do a good job in this book either because sometimes he surprises us and does well too. The preview piece they had uh, looked good to me. You know, and like I have this thing for He-Man as I grew up watching He-Man as a kid, but do I need to read more if it's good? Sure. But it's going to have to be really good to keep me interested.
1: I agree. I mean, there was a a mini resurgence for Masters of the Universe in the early 2000s, and that kind of petered out. Um, That cartoon was pretty good, though. Was it? Yeah, it was actually fun. Never saw it. Yeah, I liked it. But, you know, James Robinson cut loose on a story where, with basically no continuity to worry about, do his own thing. I'm I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. That said, I will drop it like a bad habit if it's not
0: good. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's not going to be like, oh, damn it, it sucks. Yeah. I mean. In other DC news, BleedingCool.com is reporting rumors of yet another creative shift in the new 52. According to the site, Teen Titans and Red Hood writer Scott Lobdell will take over writing duties on Superman from Keith Giffen and Dan Jurgens. Didn't see that coming. Probably with this fall's zero issue. Lobdell was a popular Marvel writer in the 90s and has found himself suddenly thrown back into the spotlight thanks to DC's big relaunch. Joe. What is it with DC and Superman? Why is it so damn hard for them to find a consistent creative team for this book? I have a better question. How come Superman sucks? (laughs) I mean, shouldn't this be the one that they're nailing?
1: Really? It should be. I'm very sad. Uh, One of the things I'm most sad about in the relaunch is that Superman doesn't feel like Superman. Uh, Even Grant Morrison's action comics, when
0: it's good, doesn't really feel like Superman to me. Now, I would like to say that that action comics could be a lot better if we had a book that was clearly defining Superman as Superman in this new world, and Grant Morrison's stories are the wacky, crazy adventures of that Superman. We don't have that. No one has defined Superman yet. I mean, we really we know where he came from, we know his name, but what can you tell me about him? He's strong, he flies. I mean, really, what's his personality? And well, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. As far as I can tell, a whiny one at that.
1: I don't know. I just... My
0: thing is, they
1: have been sticking creators on this book. No offense to Keith Giffen, who I like, or or Dan Juergens, who I even enjoy sometimes. But Superman should be a marquee title. Like, why isn't Superman getting the same attention that batman is getting
0: superman should be as good as like marvel's fantastic four that's their first family this is their dc's first superhero this should be the best dc book that they put out every month
1: and i hate to say it but putting scott labdell on on this book is not going to get me excited
0: about no this character it doesn't excite me at all and that that said i still think the red hood book is kind of fun i don't care for teen titans at all honestly and i Ivern, just don't know what Ivern, he's going to do i haven't been reading any of them so and having superman fight wildstorm villains certainly not the answer
1: what you don't like the return of hellspont dumb and finally hastings an entertainment superstore chain located primarily in the south of the united states is throwing its hat into the comic book retailing ring Hastings has been increasing their stock of new comics, graphic novels, and even back issues in 138 of their locations over the past couple of years, creating what is essentially the largest direct-market comic book chain. They've participated in retailer promotions, scored exclusive variants, and added comic-savvy people to their staff. Now, the chain is implementing a pull file service for their customers that will launch on Free Comic Book Day and will be live by the time this episode is released. Matt? Do you think this is something regular comic retailers should be worried about, or is this kind of mainstream push good for the comics industry overall?
0: Okay, my knee-jerk reaction here is to get all punk rock and say, oh man, the Walmart of comics is coming to crush your local comic store. We've got to firebomb this place. But truth be told- Wait a minute, what? <laughs> and as a guy who loves the comic shop, and Joe and I have said time and time again, unapologetically, we love comic shops, even crappy ones. Unfortunately, there are a lot of crappy ones out there. And if it takes a real sexy shop like Hastings to come in and force the crappy shops to raise the bar and make themselves better to compete, oh, uh, well, the th- I think that's a good thing. I don't think... Uh, this is like a Best Buy. Hastings is sort of like a Best Buy. Well, relatively. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they do a the lot of that, pop culture that, stuff.
1: That vein. And so, I don't think they'll be able to replicate the comic shop experience. No,
0: absolutely not. But I guess the point being... I've always said that a comic shop should be a place that you feel perfectly okay taking your girlfriend to. She should not walk in with you and put her hands in her pockets and look at all the trolls creeping around, the piles of greasy books, and there's some dude behind the counter going, how much you want to give me for that action figure? And you know exactly what shop I'm talking about. (laughs) If Hastings can provide that. If it's a well-lit, sexy place where people feel good going and buying comics, then that is good for comic books. Is it scary for the local comic shop? Yes. But like I said, it might force them to raise the bar a little well, bit.
1: Well, and again, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be scary for the local comic shop. Now, it's easy for us to say we don't have Hastings here. True enough. But if it's, if it's just a place where people can go and get their comics and leave, yeah, that's one thing. Well, it's like when Borders and Barnes and & Noble started to carry comics. That really didn't impact
0: us at all. No, not at all.
1: And if they can't replicate the comic store experience, you know, the the going and hanging out with your friends and talking with the clerks about the latest releases (laughs) and getting excited for the Avengers movie, you know, that kind of community and culture, I don't think it's something to worry about.
0: No, but they may do the pull file system better.
1: Maybe. But if it does get comics... Into the hands of people that aren't prone to read comics because they don't want to go to the comic shop. Well, then...
0: That's a good thing. That's a plus. The thing I would worry about is the pull file system. Like, how many people come into our shop saying, Look, I'm leaving this other store because I can't get my pull file right. They're constantly missing books and stuff like that.
1: Well, you know, they'll definitely throw a bunch of money at some sort of fancy...
0: Exactly. ...system. hey is is going to nail that one, if nothing else.
1: That's the big news for this week If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything we missed Nail Matt Bomb down on Facebook Where you can see a picture Of my favorite b-boy and co-host Matt Who also has a beard like a billy goat It's true
0: Joe Patrick, before we move along Why don't you read us a tweet from one of our lovely listeners Our first tweet
1: comes from Kush Who wants to know, have we played the Walking Dead Episode 1 adventure game on Xbox Live? He goes on to say he's a bit curious because as someone who has read the comic and watched the TV show, he is finding the game so far to be the best experience with that property.
0: Okay, that's nuts. (laughs) I find that really hard to believe, but I haven't played it. That said, is it going to make me fall off my couch and go, Oh my God! <laughs> at the end of the game, I kind of doubt it. But
1: uh, I haven't played it yet either. I am very eager to. I just am swamped at the moment. And every time I think to do it, I fall asleep in front of my computer. Because I'm an old man.
0: So that's a double no. Thanks for your tweet. I'm fucking on the string. I'm the same do my thing. I'm in a lamp. <laughs> my brain
1: Just as much as you nerds But each week at this time We put on lab coats and gloves To dissect two of this week's titles And slap their guts Under
0: our critical microscope Gross Matt, what did you review this week? This week I read XO Manowar From Valiant Written by Robert Venditti Or Vendetti And with art by Carrie Nord Here's your solicit, folks. It's the comic book event, a decade in the making. The all-new Valiant Universe kicks off with a landmark oversized number one issue of X-O Manowar by New York Times best-selling author Robert Venditti, or Deddy, <laughs> who wrote The Surrogates, which is the movie where Bruce Wills had hair, and that's the only thing I can tell you it about is it. It was a comic first. The Homeland Direct, and also The Homeland Directive, which I don't know. And Eisner Award winning artist Carrie Nord. From Conan! Exclamation point! Born into battle, Eric of Dacia, heir to the throne of the Visigoth people, has never known peace. After a brutal encounter with a mysterious enemy known as the Vine, leaves him a prisoner on an incomprehensible world, the only hope Eric has of returning to his family and saving them from slavery is to seize a weapon of incalculable destruction and become Exo man war The Vine destroyed Eric's world Now! He will give them war.
1: That is a really long solicit. But
0: badass and way better than any of the bullet point crap that Marvel has been doing. Like it says, this is the long awaited return of the Valiant verse. For those who don't do their comic homework, X-O Man Award was created by writer Jim Shooter and artist Bob Layton back in 1992. This latest X-O offering is certainly a relaunch of the character, but so far does not appear to be a complete reboot. Uh, How do you figure? Vendetti's origin is very close to the shooter and Layton's version. Like, really close. Yeah, but they're not going to pick up old stories. Uh, Did you read this issue? Yeah, I read it. It's not much different from the other, I mean, first issue. To tell you the truth, Hmm. Eric's a Visigoth warrior. He's fighting Roman oppressors alongside his uncle. His father was killed at Roman hands, and he's insane, trying to get revenge for his father's death. One night, while he's out investigating what he thinks is a Roman raiding party outside the Visigoth camp, he... ...attacks a group of heavily armed warriors that turn out to be aliens... ...and they kidnap him, and they take him away. That is the origin that Jim Shooter and Bob Layton came up with. I mean, almost panel for panel. I'm not... Okay, I'm not going to say this was page-for-page retelling of the Shooter Layton story... ...but it really was very close. And that's fine. It's been 20 years since we've seen the origin of Exo Manowar... ...and it's still a good story today. They're reintroducing this character. And I think the bulk of the people that they want to speak to here... Are not necessarily the people that were reading Valiant comics in 1992. I wasn't one. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really either. I'm glad Venditti and Nord aren't making any major changes to the origin, at least with this issue, because I think it just kinda, sort of shows some reverence for the old stuff. For the so the older fans that picked this up can be like, good, they're not totally reinventing the wheel or making it more extreme or anything stupid. It's the same idea. But the art is updated. The story is obviously updated. The dialogue here was just perfect. I really like how Venditti writes Eric as this brash and probably dangerous leader to his own men <laughs> due to his own lust for revenge. And he, like he's always willing to rush straight into battle <laughs> while his uncle is like, oh, God, <laughs> like do we really have to just attack? Nord's art is perfect. The story starts in ancient Rome, and then it quickly turns into, like, pure science fiction. I loved what he did on Conan, and I know he's done a lot of other stuff. I can't really think of any real futuristic techie books that he's done, but the small taste that we get here is really solid.
1: Uh, it should be pointed out that normally Carrie Nord is kind of... He does all of his own art, yeah. Uh, but this was inked by Stefano Gaudino. Who is usually Michael Lark's inker? Oh, I didn't know that. And so it's a little different than uh, Carrie Nord's usual look, uh, but it was beautiful.
0: It, they are a good team. Yeah, there's a really nice look to this book. The colors are very solid. I can't summon the colorist's name here. The intro was really good, setting up the world. The, f- the front page, like the inside cover, kind of spelled out.
1: Oh, like an infographic? Yeah. I really loved that.
0: What's going on? Because I wasn't sure where they were going to go with this. I know the old Exo War was a Visigoth in, like, in ancient Rome, but I wasn't certain that that's what was going to happen in this book. And the first thing they do is like, welcome to the year 452 BC, or, <laughs> or something like that. And... It was fun. It it really set it up well. This is the first offering from Valiant, and they nailed it. And I'm super excited to see
1: what comes next. There's a nice preview in the back for Harbinger.
0: That's where I was going to go. And and then a
1: couple of uh, teaser images for Eternal Warrior and Rai.
0: Yeah. I think this all looks like it's going to be a ton of fun.
1: And I was never a fan. Like, I completely missed Valiant, the original run. And I am very excited. I loved this book.
0: Yeah. It looks like they're going to do it right. And I mean, i'm giving it the biggest buy it i can go check this out guys me too it was really good joe patrick what did you read this week
1: my pick for the week epic kill number one from image comics with story and art by Raphael Yenko, dude
0: why did you read that like that because
1: it's epic oh i see yeah here's your solicit Hitmen and mercenaries from around the globe are ordered by the president to bring down an 18-year-old super assassin named Song. But she's going to turn the tables on them and every kill is going to be epic. Song has trained for years into adulthood to take revenge on the man responsible for her parents' deaths. The man who has just been elected. President. Image Comics has been knocking it out of the park lately with solid launch after solid launch, and so I was kind of eager to check this book out. Uh, Epic Kill, as the solicit states, follows Song, an amnesiac badass who wakes up to find herself a resident of the Sucker Punch home for troubled girls. (laughs) This place is full of villainous orderlies so cartoony and girls dressed so ridiculously no state in America would ever ever fund it song immediately finds herself covered in blood and on the run from authority figures that are trying to murder her and that's the whole story there are a couple of token flashbacks as she remembers that she knows how to kill people with her bare hands <laughs> but otherwise this book is nothing but violence bullet time slow-mo scenes and weird
0: hallucinations literally like sucker punch by the way guess what doesn't work in a comic book <laughs> yeah exactly bullet time yeah <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work at all. Like when you slow the film down, looks pretty cool, right? You can't slow the comic panels down. In fact, it looks dumb. It's <laughs> the true. There's panels where it's like, oh, I see she was standing in this scene. Now she's sort of flying backwards and upside down. Flexing real weird there. As bullets whip by her, her, sort of around her, I guess. I don't know.
1: There's just nothing to grab onto here. Uh, The characters are completely unremarkable, and Ienko doesn't give me any reason at all to care about Song. I I know it's the first issue, but like literally nothing. There was no reason to care whether she lived or died. Uh, and if it wasn't for the fact that the villains were so villainous, yeah, like twirling their mustaches as they prepared to rape everybody yeah, like in sight, scene,
0: yeah, where they're like showering and this dude's like spraying the girls with a hose. Now, okay, he's spraying the girls with a hose and he's like, "Yeah, clean those holes for me, you sluts," or whatever. Right. And but here's the thing. Okay, that's not that's I'll buy That's not a paraphrase. This by the place, way, yeah, that's I'm not paraphrasing. I'll buy. This place is bad. It's run by evil people. Sure. But that you know. They're not evil enough to make everybody get naked and they get sprayed with the hose. They'll let them wear their clothes. Right. <laughs> like, what, what just, is going on? It's know? it's it's Just, <laughs> just yeah. don't. And I'm not saying, like, I'm craving the nudity. But what it, if they're bad, they're bad. And this is, like, rape house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. <laughs> The art, unfortunately,
1: isn't too great either. No, it's uh, bad. There there, were... There's something about the style, like his visual style, that I kind of appreciated, but the composition and the anatomy, like the nuts and bolts of what a book like this needs, it's just lacking. It, it, this is not a superhero book. It's not a you know high fantasy book. It can't get by on just style. It's regular people, and yeah, it's violence, but it's mainly a lot of normal people in normal clothes talking. So the errors in the art, the things that don't look right, just stand out immediately, yeah. and it was not a good-looking yeah. book. There's a scene where Song punches through a guy's chest, and you wouldn't know
0: it. If the dialogue didn't literally explain exactly what was happening. Yeah, a character's like, oh man, he punched through that dude's chest. I was like, in what, fact, did she bite him? When If you look that? at
1: that panel, she's recoiling backwards the other way. Yeah. There's even like a speed line showing her
0: showing her hand like going away from the action. You want to show someone punching through a chest? Now, I'm not an artist here, but this is what I would do. Draw her hand in. In the guy's chest Maybe I mean I'm sorry Maybe that's too obvious I don't know There's a last
1: page reveal Or at least It's certainly Constructed like a reveal I'm gonna go ahead And spoil it Because the uh, Solicit spoils it And the first panel Of the page spoils it It's this big moment Where they reveal That it's the president That is ordering her death and the way it's constructed, that should have been like a cliffhanger surprise. Right. But like you turn the page and literally the guy says, Mr. President. And then there are these artistic beats leading up to revealing that they're in Air Force One. Yeah, with a picture of Abraham Lincoln on the wall. Which <laughs>
0: has I, Maybe there is one in Air Force zero One. Zero
1: impact. It hits with zero impact. The guy looks like Barack Obama, but his name is President Hammer. Or yeah, so Hammond. this might be
0: an anti-Obama book. I,
1: who there. knows? <laughs> and, and I was hoping this book would be better. And it's funny to complain that it's not violent enough or it's not rapey enough or whatever the heck we were saying, but it just
0: wasn't rapey <laughs> enough.
1: He's know. going the the writer and artist is going for this tone, and he's just completely missing the mark. He's just not succeeding on any level for me. I have to give this book a leave it. I didn't enjoy it.
0: I'm with you too. And when you texted me and said that you might review this one, I my thought was, oh my god, did he like it? Because it just and I'm not trying to beat this guy up. I don't know who Raphael is. And he does have some panels that look pretty good. It looks like he keeps working on his art style and maybe it'll go somewhere. But this did not work in any way. There was no story. Didn't care about any of the characters. This was, you know what I liked? The Matrix and Kill Bill. Right. I'm going to make it's, a comic book that doesn't really tie into it but heavily borrows
1: there, it. There's a text piece in the back that where Yanko references his first graphic novel as like... Oh, yeah, it was like The Ring, but crossed with aliens. Yeah. And this is so clearly Sucker Punch plus The Matrix... Divided by Kill Bill
0: equals Epic Kill. There's even a scene where she talks about the five-finger like death punch, where she's like, I could strike you right here, and you would take five steps and die. Oh, yeah, something like yeah, that. You something know, like, like that. are you kidding me?
1: I it, yeah, it's just, it's heavily borrowed from way too many things that do it way better. Yeah, this guy is and definitely... So just
0: fell flat. He's not Tarantino. I gotta give this a gigantic leave it. Which, you know what? If you want to talk about a book that led you on this journey of... Uh, Self-understanding of someone in a position where they're not sure where they are, and it's a mystery, and the reader's following along. Mind the Gap, number one, also came out this week and did an excellent job. I can't tell you what happened because it was kind of confusing, but I want to see what happens next. There was no mystery here. This was heavy-handed, poorly executed. Leave it. As always, we want to know what you rapists thought of these comics, so let us know how unprepared and poorly executed our reviews were over at our Facebook
1: page. Some other comic podcasts like to spend their entire show reviewing titles, dropping snippets of intelligent praise and well reasoned criticism to give creators the respect they deserve. But not us. No, sir. Here at THN, we like to get all heft up on goofballs and review ten comics faster than any self respecting critic
0: should. Or in this case, Mexican Coke. Mexican Coke. One medio litro. Medio litro. Cold.
1: During the ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed. Go.
0: Detective Comics number nine from DC.
1: Night of the Owls crossover. Haven't read an issue since uh, issue number one. Can we but, call hey, it? KOO, KOO, Night of the Owls. KOO, KOO crossover. KOO <laughs> crossover. Um, this issue was completely unremarkable. I actually don't remember a thing that happened in it uh, because it left no impression on me whatsoever. I promise I read it. Something about Black Mask. Why does he have mind control powers? I don't know. He does? Uh, listen,
0: I don't think it's important. I'm giving it a leave-in. I think David Finch at least had the wherewithal to have Judd Winnick write his portion of the crossover. Would have been a good idea. Garfield, number one, Boom Studios. Welcome back, Cotter. And Hanna-Barbera writer Mark Evanier brings Garfield to a new monthly series for Kaboom. I'm crapping you negative. That dude wrote, welcome back, Cotter. Boom's all-age line. If you like Garfield, you'll love this. Evanier even smashes in a biting criticism of CGC. Personally, I am not a Garfield fan. And think he's better suited to this short newspaper funny, so I can only give it a it. If you want to get a real laugh, you can get on Google and you can find a bunch of Garfield cartoons where they took out all of Garfield's Garfield without Garfield. lines, and you just have John talking to his cat, and he just looks insane. It's great.
1: Batwing, number nine, DC. Uh, this was the other Night of the Owls coup crossover this week, and uh, this wasn't bad. Unfortunately, uh, there was all this buildup about this particular talon that uh, Batwing is going to fight, And then it is wrapped up in the span of, like, 16 pages. (laughs) Uh, I I, I guess I wish it would have been longer or uh, more involved. So is that high praise or not? I don't know. I guess it's a skimmit. Wow. (laughs) I don't know. I wish there were more of it. We didn't say this was going
0: to be good, folks. (laughs) The Spider, number one, Dynamite. Writer David Liss did not get the props he deserved for his run in Black Panther or his Mystery Men miniseries at Marvel. I don't know much about the Spider, but he doesn't seem to be a very likable character, and I think I like that. Yeah. He drinks, he's rude, and he knows he's not necessarily right for killing criminals, but he also knows it's for the greater good, or at least I think he hopes so. this is writing a very interesting character here. The art is solid. There are a couple of sort of derivative scenes that took place, you know, in women in alleys and everything. But I'm up for reading more. Buy it. Avengers Academy, number 29. Marvel Comics. I'm a little behind on Avengers
1: Academy, but I skipped forward to read the AVX tie-in, and it's really good. I loved it. It is the prisoners of war, sort of, from Utopia, the young kids that got left behind when Cyclops and his team bailed, uh, holding up at Avengers Academy where they can get babysat by Hercules and Tigra and uh, Giant Man. It was super fun. Uh, and dramatic when it needed to be. Hercules is gonna teach the kids what it means to be an Olympian, uh, and he's all nude and oiled up
0: <laughs> <God>.
1: <laughs> for some Greco-Roman wrestling. It was that was really funny. I'm giving it a buy it skeleton key color special from dark horse
0: i was afraid that a color special for for skeleton key would not work at all with andy watson's kind of loose cute cartoony art the good news is the color is basically background at best i <laughs> just sort of dropped it in a little bit this was as sweet and as fun as all her other skeleton key stuff buy this buy this buy this mind the gap number one from image comics you know that andy watson's a guy right no, I didn't. I thought he was a girl. hey, oh. hey oh. uh
1: This is the new book from Jim McCann, who wrote Return of the Dapper Men, graphic novel, and uh, Hawkeye and Mockingbird for Marvel. And I was really looking forward to it, but it was really hard to wrap my head around. Uh, Matt was right when he said earlier in the show that it does a good job of kind of putting you in the shoes of this woman thrust in this unknown circumstance. But beyond that... It was all set up and very little uh, forward momentum. It was really hard to latch on to. Beautiful art. Ah, i got to give it a skim it. I'm giving I'm it a buy. Sorry. It.
0: I'm in for more. I liked it. I'm going to read more. I just. It was a tough first issue. Exiled number one from Marvel. This is a one-shot that starts the Exiled crossover that runs for Journey into Mystery and New Mutants this month with fantastic art by G.G. Andi Menico. It picks up where Gillen's Thor left off, the story of the Desur in Hell, Soda Bust and Loose, there's a secret god, a secret as guardian gods been living in San Francisco right across the street from new mutants and he's been watching them and they think he's I a pervert. It was totally fun. This is gonna be a great crossover
1: by this. I will say that it was very densely packed, and if you have Oh yeah. If you have not been reading both of those books, you might be a little lost like I, I was. You could be. But it still was fun. Smallville I, season eleven, number one from DC. You know what? We bag on Smallville a lot on this show. No.
0: No, I won't let you do this.
1: It wasn't terrible. Uh, Brian Q. Miller, who was writing Batgirl before the relaunch, uh, is writing this, and it's not bad. The dialogue is good, and it was already better written than the show, though I do know Brian Q. Miller worked on the show. Sorry, Brian. I don't know, though. Smallville version of Lois Lane is the worst. Every time she opens her mouth, I'm going to cut her head off. (laughs) The art by Pere Perez is okay. Uh, he tries too hard To get the likenesses right Which makes it distracting I just don't care
0: I can't look at his name And not say Perez Perez
1: <laughs> I just don't care Is a thing So I'm giving it a skim If you like Smallville Check it out
0: Except for you Keith It's not okay for you To be reading this
1: Avengers uh, vs.
0: X-Men Number 3 I'm still having fun With the story But John Romita Jr.'s arc Is not doing it For me at all It is bad And it's not working There was also A questionable call By Cap In the end of this story I'm not going to spoil it But I am yeah, still on board Yeah really weird I didn't really get what they're going for there, and I think it could have been handled better, but like I said, still having fun. Um, So far, one of the best Marvel crossover events I've read in a long time. Bye. <laughs> skang! That is your Ludicrous speed round, and Skang is the sound it makes when Cap deflects Wolvie's claws, as seen in this week's issue of Avengers versus X-Men number 3. Is
1: that that thing you just said you weren't going to spoil?
0: Spoiler alert. <laughs> Now, join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where I'll be burning an effigy of Los Angeles Kings goaltender Jonathan Quick and channeling my anger at the St. Louis Blues' poor performance in the first two games of their second round of the NHL playoffs through the amulet of Agamotto. Then, when pointed at DJ's crotch, it will not only destroy his genitals, but appease Lord Mephisto after we hired his prized consorts, the Deceitur, for entertainment at Joe's bachelor party next week. And, as a wedding present, he's also gifted us with knowledge of two of next week's comics. Joey, sorry about your junk, but I promise it's going to be one hell of a party. What has Mephisto's wedding gift revealed to you? The
1: only two words I understood in that entire rant were Agamotto and genitals. My pick for next week is The Tick, number 100. AKA, The Tick Meets Invincible from New England Comics by Benito Sereno and Les McLean. This is the 100th issue of The Tick. I'm taking their word for it. I haven't fact-checked that. This is not the creator of The Tick. No, 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 no. But these are the guys that have been doing The Tick comic for a while. Okay. But he's not dead, right? No. Okay. He works in TV. He's making that TV money. He's
0: making real
1: money. He works on Supernatural. So this is The Tick meeting Robert Kirkman's Invincible. I've always loved The Tick. I just think it could be a good time. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of book that you can just pick up and put down and not worry too much about missing anything. Fair enough.
0: Matt, what about your genitals? (laughs) Well, your genitals are the ones that got blown off. Mine are functioning just fine. And I am excited for Higher Earth, number one, written by Sam Humphreys, with art by Carlos Magno. I'm convinced that Humphreys can give us a good book that's not fanboys versus zombies. And this might just be the one. Apparently in this story, space is dead and cold, but there's multiple Earths in neighboring dimensions that have been conquered by higher Earth. This is the story of Rex, a warrior gone rogue, and Heidi, a girl born in garbage, fighting their way to higher Earth. Wow! Yeah, pan-dimensional stuff here Genitals Of course, we want to know what you nerds are reading next week So be sure to drop us a line And let us know Joe Patrick, now that we're done with that foolishness Read me a tweet
1: Our next tweet comes from Sean M One of our listeners abroad Who says, it's not a question It's a shout out I'm in a pub in Stockport UK, just outside Manchester, and I'm three pints to the wind. Sorry, I don't have a question. By the way, your show is awesome. Hey,
0: thanks, Sam. Good for you. His name is Sean. Thanks, Sean. I was paying attention. <laughs> cool. Children of the Earth! We're
1: rocking It's time again for us to hold an official press conference and step in front of the Nerd Nation to discuss the state of the DC relaunch second
0: wave! four new number ones from dc hit the shelves this week part of what they are calling the second wave of the new 52 in this month's the state of segment dj and i are taking a hard look at the new titles to help the nerdy public understand where these stories take place and if they even need to read them joey let's start alphabetically
1: with dial h number one by china mayville and art by Mateus this is santa luoco
0: okay santa. yeah okay
1: yeah santa luoco how about that Dial H is an updated take on the old Dial H for Hero concept in the DC Universe that started in the Silver Age and was last seen in the excellent Hero series by Will Pfeiffer. Yeah, that was fun. It was a good book and I miss it. This is a darker take and it is... Very Vertigo-esque, and apparently that is causing people some confusion.
0: Yeah, there's people online that are saying, I don't get it. Where does this take place? Is this a Vertigo book? And they're really outside of one line where someone says, oh, you believe the Green Lantern exists, but you don't believe in this, whatever. Right. There isn't a lot to make it feel like this is the regular well, It is Well, It's even edited by Vertigo editor-in-chief Karen Berger. That certainly doesn't help. I mean, I guess, if you're paying that close of attention.
1: Yeah. But it is firmly entrenched in the regular Marvel Universe. It's just one of the darker corners, much like, you know, iVampire or Justice League Dark. They're
0: calling this part of the dark line. Of course they are. And so
1: the H-Dial the is a device that when uh, the buttons are dialed in a certain sequence... It gives the user superhuman powers and a heroic identity. And that person is immediately like instinctively aware of what their name is and what they can do.
0: It used to also be like just a remote, basically. It
1: used to be like a portable device. This time it is in an old phone booth. It's actually pretty cool. It's like a beat up old phone booth, and they even talk about like, well, who uses phone booths anymore? Right. And it's kind of an emergency situation. I liked it.
0: I liked it a lot. I thought this was super fun. It, well, it was
1: really weird. I,
0: the The characters that Mayville used as like the superheroes. There was like a bo- B- boy, boy chimney. chimney, and he yeah, was he's terrifying. Sort of like this Dick Van Dyke chimney sweep type character that spouts carbon dioxide and yeah. rhymes and like uh, floats on his own like mists of smoke and fog. And yeah, it, he was gross and lachrymose man. Uh, <laughs>
1: Captain, <laughs> Captain Lacrimose. Lackrimose. That was it. A- who gains power from the tears of
0: others. <laughs> and he makes you sad, which makes oh, him man. more powerful. And he
1: like, gets strength from it. If So, like, if I make Matt real sad about that thing he did in junior high.
0: But once again... Oh, come on. Why would you bring that up? Then Seriously.
1: I would, like, be able to lift a car.
0: Once again, it's an unlikely hero thrust into a situation where he has suddenly has superpowers and... Things aren't going to go quite as planned. This is going to be a lot of fun. I got to give props to Mayville, because I read an interview with him before this came out, and he was super nervous. This guy's like a best-selling author. He was super nervous about his comics debut, and I like how serious he's Because
1: we're savage.
0: (laughs) We are. Next up, we've got Earth 2 by James Robinson and Nicola Scott. This was the big one this week, and there were a lot of questions behind this one. Hold on. I took notes. (laughs)
1: this was important enough I took notes
0: when I was in the shop picking this one up there was a guy that came up to the register and he said okay what do I need to read to catch up on this one and we went nope this is where it starts and he was like no 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 Uh, I'm sorry what do I need to know before I go into this? Like, where do they set this up? And we went, nope. <laughs> you don't need to read anything. This is it. We don't know where this right. is coming
1: from. This is not our Earth 2. So this book, and I'm going
0: to get into some spoilers here. We we really have to to discuss this one. This so book if is you not... don't want to hear this, stop the tape now.
1: You might notice that Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are on the cover of this book. They are not what this book is about. And the book ends with their deaths. And the way it's handled was excellent. I had no idea. I had no clue. They give their lives to fend off an invasion from Apocalypse, and they are only sort of successful, so the Earth is full of what would have been fire pits. Yeah. It was pretty rad. And at the end, Huntress and Power Girl are lost, and they end up on the new main New 52 Earth, which we'll get into... In world's finest, well, they
0: leap through a boom tube, and it, is it cyborg? Is it, was that cyborg that was in the boom tube? But they're like, who is that? Where is that? Oh, where the bad guy? I don't know. They don't. They don't show you. I think it's it's cyborg. a mystery character. I'm calling my shot.
1: Now, what's notable about this is that this is actually the first appearance of a new god character other than Darkseid and the Parademons. True. Uh, Steppenwolf, who I love that there's a villain named Steppenwolf, uh, and it was beautifully drawn by Nicola Scott. Yeah, really. James nice, Robinson okay. is right at home here. You get the hints of what will become the characters we recognize: Jace Garrick, Alan Scott, and Al Pratt. Who they even
0: was they the mentioned Golden like Adam. Tyler Corp, which is Rex Tyler's Tyler company. Corp, and yep. And so we should say this is going to be the JSA book. Well, and they intro they're maybe. introducing those characters. It's
1: certainly characters from the JSA. So this is not our Earth, to You know, old fans. This is a completely different concept, and it is not exactly what I was hoping for, but holding the fact that this isn't, quote, My Earth 2 against the book is like being mad that the new Scarlet Spider title doesn't star Ben Reilly. Right. Ben Reilly is dead. Uh, DC said from the start that this would be a different take. They are playing on our nostalgia, uh, but that's just marketing. Old readers like me, need to decide whether or not they're interested rather than judge the book on preconceived notions. I decided I liked it.
0: I thought I was going to have a lot of problem looking at Alan Scott and Al Pratt as younger guys. I thought that was going to be really hard for me. It really was. Even when we met young Jay Garrick, I didn't hate it. It, I am excited. I thought it was... Because I like old Jay Garrick. That's who I fell in love with, you know, in the JSA. Because I really never read Golden Age Flash. I didn't know anything about Jay yeah. Garrick. But it didn't bother me, seeing them Young. This was fun. This is a good read. And you want to talk about a perfect place where some of the other relaunch books have totally faltered is they didn't relaunch. Right. They Th- didn't at all. That's
1: exactly what I was going to say. This, this is felt completely new, fresh. And I don't have to worry about what baggage it's coming in with. And
0: I just enjoy the ride. And this is probably what they should have done from day one. Hate to say it, but
1: Earth 2, it was really good.
0: Next up is GI Combat with two stories. The first one, The War That Time Forgot, which brings back the old storyline, which is soldiers fighting dinosaurs, basically, written by J.T. Kroll with art by Ariel Olivetti. The second returns the unknown soldier to DC Continuity written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, the team you might recognize from All-Star Western and Jonah Hex, with art by Dan Panosian, who's been gone forever. He's been doing a lot of covers. Has he? Yeah. Huh. Now, I like the idea of The War of the Time Forgot. It sounds like a lot of fun. It could be a fun book. There wasn't a lot here. I mean, it was 15 pages. It's split between two stories. I get it. But there wasn't quite enough to get me excited, and I gotta say, Ariel Olivetti is a very talented artist, but he's a cheater. Yeah, he cheats with all these digital backgrounds and stuff, and it just does not look good. It looks lazy. That's all I see when I see his art—lazy. Because his figures are fantastic, right? The I emotion agree. on the faces, the ages—like he's a wonderful figure artist. But man, you just don't <laughs> want to draw backgrounds.
1: I have to say uh, that I didn't mind uh JT
0: Krull. In no, case. no, no, it was fine. Like it, you
1: said it maybe needed more room to yeah. uh,
0: to you know deliver its punch, but I feel like the war of the time forgot is a story that could support its own book. I really do. And if they keep splitting it up like this It's six issue series. <laughs> I mean, maybe. And but maybe but this is going to be an alternating group of stories too. Maybe that's a case. I'm just saying I don't know if this need to be split up like this and if it's going to be this short every time, it's going to be hard to grab onto. The Unknown Soldier part I don't know. I thought it was just okay.
1: I I am uh, I like the idea of the unknown soldier. I was super bummed. Spoiler alert: you actually learn who the unknown soldier is. Yeah,
0: I think the biggest problem huge with this, mistake. Yeah, it's first of all, it's a brand new unknown soldier, and we know who he is. They tell us exactly who he is. Well, it was it had to be a brand new unknown. Soldier. And I get that it could still be a brand new unknown soldier, but we could do it the way that it was really we effective. Should,
1: we should never learn his identity. No. Ever, ever, ever. No,
0: and I don't even think he should know his identity. Right, I agree. My favorite Unknown Soldier story was the Garth Ennis miniseries that came out in 1997 with art by Killian Plunkett, who has totally fallen off the face of the earth, and I would love to see more from that guy. You
1: know what? Last thing I remember from Killian Plunkett, I believe, was the third issue of Superman Red Sun. <laughs>
0: Oh, really? Yeah. That was a while ago, too, though. the original artist didn't finish. Yeah, where is that, dude? Hmm. But I loved how they played it up where nobody knew who he was. And, like, the government was sort of aware of him, but he was sort of this government boogeyman almost. And there was this huge conspiracy factor about it. And it's part of what made the book so interesting. I don't know how they're going to make this interesting. It's almost like they're trying to superhero-fy the unknown soldier.
1: Yeah, here's the bottom line. If you know everything about... A guy called the Unknown
0: Soldier. He is not unknown. No. And therefore, less interesting. And I don't need the Unknown Soldier to be the Punisher. That's not going to make him interesting for me. And the final book in the second wave, World's Finest, number one, by Paul Levitz, George Perez, and Kevin Maguire, or the DC Old Guys.
1: The DC Old Guys. (laughs) So this is picking up directly after the events of Earth 2, number one. It shows what happened to Power Girl and the Huntress...
0: Who is no longer in her cleavage
1: outfit. ...who were at that time going by Supergirl and Robin uh, of Earth-2. And so it shows them crashing on our Earth, I guess, five years ago, back when T-shirt Superman was just getting his start, and then having to carve out lives for themselves and try to find a way home, the Huntress who is Helena Wayne, Bruce Wayne's daughter, is able to hack into Wayne Enterprises and, and, and embezzle a bunch of money. Now, that's
0: old-school Earth 2.
1: That that like little
0: tidbit is old-school Earth 2, right? yes. But uh, Power Girl was not Supergirl in old-school Earth 2. Canon.
1: She wasn't called Supergirl, but she was Superman's cousin.
0: Yeah, she was his cousin. She was Kryptonian.
1: Right. And so this this is a different take on the characters. Uh, the, the Huntress that we know, the Huntress we had in the miniseries that just wrapped... The Helena Bertinelli Huntress was just an identity. She stole an identity from a woman who died.
0: She stole Valerie Bertinelli's identity <laughs> after she died.
1: And I I really liked this issue. George Perez was on his game. The flashback showing how they crashed on our Earth was handled by Kevin Maguire, and it was gorgeous. Yeah, Maguire.
0: Man, anything that guy does, I'm in.
1: And I know that Paul Levitz... Mm, let's be fair and say that sometimes... His scripts are a little rough. I just don't
0: care about... I liked this book.
1: He's at home with these characters.
0: Yeah, this book was fun. I feel like his Legion of Superheroes is just not doing it for me, and they're trying to capture lightning in a bottle again, and they're just not going to I
1: will admit that as much as I love the Legion this current series isn't really doing it for me
0: but this is a fun fresh take and i think maybe giving him these characters like his own sandbox to play in essentially
1: again they are a blank slate there's there's what we think they should be our preconceived notions but really they are completely blank slates this is the karen star from mr terrific when she showed up and we all went Wait a minute, that's supposed to be Power Girl. How come she doesn't have costume or powers? Yeah. Yeah, because she's hiding. She's in hiding. Which makes sense. Yes.
0: Nicely done.
1: And I I really enjoyed World's Finest. I am eager to see uh, more from both Earth 2 and World's Finest and I am pleasantly surprised that Paul Levitz did such a good job because I know it's hit and miss sometimes with the older writers
0: yeah I'm going to continue to read these two I think I'm going to give G.I. Combat another chance because it could be fun I want to see where they go with it I I trust Palmiati and Gray they write good comics and maybe they are building something here Dial H A lot of fun. Loved it. Could be interesting. Unfortunately, it strikes me as one of those books that we will really like, but isn't going to survive past 12 issues because sales will just slowly dip. We'll see. Because there's Superman or Batman or whoever isn't in it. Regardless, though, fun second wave so far. Yeah,
1: and we should point out that this isn't the end of the second wave. There are two more books coming, but we're not really going to focus too much on them. The first is... uh,
0: the Ravagers, the, the of Friends out the of Teen Ravagers, Titans. Yeah, and... Just, I don't care. I Okay, we felt that, that we should tackle these right away because there was a lot of confusion, and people want to know what was going on with Earth too. The Ravagers and the other title is Batman Incorporated, which is going to be big.
1: And that's And they definitely have some
0: explaining to it. It's you. the
1: continuation <laughs> of an existing title. And it so is.
0: Again, a book that might not work so well in the relaunched DCU where the Bat titles have only been sort of relaunched. We'll see. Yeah. And, and really, I it, gotta say, the biggest success I have seen so far in picking up a comic that truly feels new, fresh, relaunched, and is starting from issue one, Earth 2. It was really good. Hands down. And it makes me think they probably should have just relaunched the whole damn universe.
1: Of course we want to know what you thought of the second wave so be sure to drop us a line and share your thoughts
0: happy or sad sort of break it break it down like this. that is it For the Two-Headed Nerd, Beastie Boys Memorial. If you want to feel better about what has just been a brutal week so far, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes where we promise next week will be better in general and in episode quality. Joe Patrick, why don't you read us one more tweet? Our last tweet comes from the intrepid Keith Binder who wants to know... Intrepid.
1: What is our favorite Beastie Boys song?
0: Eggman from Paul's Boutique. Easy. Hands down.
1: I know this might be... Kind of cheating, but legitimately, my favorite Beastie Boy song is Sabotage. That's Nothing fair. gets me worked up like that. That's fair. And that video was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I love Sabotage. Huge thanks to all our donors, and if you'd like to help fund my genital reconstruction, you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com.
0: While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerdGmail.com, where you can beg for reading suggestions from the comic pushers and ask your most personal and disgusting nerdy questions. Or challenge comic grand wizard Joe Patrick with your nerd trivia during next week's Ask a Nerd segment and... Keep your THN mascot art coming. What do you think the two-headed nerd looks like? Draw a picture of it and send it to us. We'll put it on a t-shirt and make money off of you, and you can sue us later. Might
1: be time to put a pin in the mascot.
0: No, I demand more.
1: If that's not enough for you, head on over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer
0: the question of the week. This week's query, you know you're going to do it. So, go see Avengers, and then we want to know where it ranks in your personal Marvel movie hierarchy. Before we go... Our weekly shout-out goes to our pal, Eight Bucks, an Xbox buddy of ours, who has had our backs as we face down wave after wave of locusts and reapers, and he drove all the way from the wilds of California just to stalk us in real life. Word to you, Jesse, and until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Rest in peace, MC. If you can
1: feel what I'm feeling, then it's a musical masterpiece. Do what I'm dealing with in that cool at least. Through my mind comes through my walk Two feelings of soul from the way that
0: I